Hello and welcome to episode 125 of Ribbon of Memes, a podcast where we slash films previously described by other slash slash slashes at slash 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 slash. But in a completely non-sexual way, of course. Oh, absolutely. There's no uh, there's no overturns or anything intended otherwise. Um, I am Nick, the uh, vaginal... Um, that's virginal, not vaginal. <laughs> um, the oh, I give up. I am Nick, and I am pleased to meet you. And I am joined as ever by evil incarnate himself, uh, Roger. Oh, you noticed? So kind. <laughs> and tonight, uh, today, we are discussing another John Carpenter film. What is this? Is this our fourth? Something like that. I think he may be he may be beating Steven Spielberg at this rate. Um, we are discussing his 1978 potential masterpiece, Halloween. And I think we can fairly say that by at least one of our metrics, this was a masterpiece simply on the basis that everybody ripped it off, including Carpenter himself. Yes, exactly. He realised everyone else was ripping it off and making money out of it, um, and he probably should do that too. And this is our first foray into slasher movies. Now, I I was surprised because reading around this, uh, some people like didn't want to call Halloween a slasher movie. I, personally, I had always thought that it was. I never thought any different. I just believed it was the first slasher movie, which, of which course turns out not to be true. Um, but it is probably the one that defined most of the conventions. Mm. Some, some of them altogether. quite possibly by accident, as we'll come back to. Mm. Well, so this is the story of um, Lauren Strode, Michael Myers and Dr. Loomis. Um, and it turns out Michael Myers... Uh, so Michael Myers, as a six-year-old... Is he six, supposed to be six? Something like that. He um, He's being babysat by his sister... But instead of babysitting the naughty, um, the girl is uh, obviously a teenager and teenagers can hold no more thoughts in their heads than sex and drink. Um, and uh, she is just doing the sex thing. Presumably that's why she's so incredibly quick at it <laughs> because it takes the time. I, I, I feel we could possibly blame her boyfriend for this to some extent as well. Well, that's true, but I do, they barely had time to get undressed as far as I could tell. About, but about 40 seconds, yeah. We have a great. Uh, sort of tracking shot, this opening point of view from the, and this is, this is where I come straight away to possibly, and this isn't Halloween's fault, but because it's been so influential that the tracking shot and hearing the breathing may have been innovative and really imaginative and oh my goodness, uh, we are, we're in the mind of the monster watching what's happening. Um, but it has just been so done to death since then that mm. it did nothing for me at all. I didn't think, oh, this is imaginative. This is great. It's, uh, it's one of those. Yeah, I think um, some so, some critics have tried to suggest that it, you know it's putting putting you, the viewer, in the, in the place of the killer, and you could use it that way. I, I suspect that it's. A, you don't have to have a killer costume that looks as convincing for such a long time, and, <laughs> yes. and but also more, even more importantly, B, you can keep it, you can keep it a secret from the viewer who the killer is. 
Yes, exactly. So the so. surprise here that I've spoiled at the opening is that we have this classic killer tracking shot um, and we know her brother's around, um, but then she uh, then she commits... He finds her upstairs. She's committed the mortal sin of um, being naked um, and therefore must get stabbed to death. It's a very... Um, uh, it's kind of psycho levels of, probably not even psycho levels of gore, the slashy slash bits. Mm. Um, we just see, uh, there, there's, there's a lot more flash, flash to the knife going up and down than, than there mm. is, uh, it's more implied effect, violence. Yeah. Uh, but yes, that the, it cuts to him going outside and then we suddenly realize this has been a six year old boy all along. Um, I don't, I don't know what it, I just wasn't on board. Even from here, I was just like, oh. <laughs> I am not a, I am a fan of horror, a big fan of horror. I am not in any way a fan, a fan of slashers or their derivatives. I, I don't find them particularly scary. And I don't find them very interesting. So I don't, <laughs> the problem there is it's defeated. The point of anything that they're, they're all about the jump scares, and I, I, that to me is the, the the lowest form of horror. In the same way that mm. um, sarcasm might be the lowest form of wit. I, I, just... I will admit, I have I have a note from later in the film that just says "spring loaded boyfriend." <laughs> as, opposed, well, well, as opposed to the traditional jump scare of the spring loaded cat. <laughs> yes, it's um, uh, well that comes from the the. Uh, this is a ninety minute film, so that's how it opens. Then we have um. Then we have the uh, the fantastic. I, I will say it is very nice to see um, Donald Pleasant um, as a doom, kind of a doom saying. Um, I wouldn't like him to be my psychiatrist. I think you have to do some much more horrible things to get him as your psychiatrist. <laughs> oh, I hope so. He started off trying to redeem Michael Myers, and now he's of the opinion that he's um, not only is not redeemable, he's. he's basically barely even human he's, he's come to his in his medical opinion he's, he's not even a, a creature he's just a thing of pure evil um but myers escapes the mental institution what he's been locked up in for 15 years something, something like, like that like. yeah yeah and heads to the sleepy town of i've forgotten the name of but Haddonfield, illinois ignore the california license plates and the fact that it's looks like the middle of summer even though it's supposed to be halloween which i don't think it would look like in in illinois but um my geography is not um uh, is not my strongest suit and then um <laughs> then this is a 90 minute film i love john carpenter you know we uh we both love the thing we both loved escape from new york we both loved ghosts of mars and that's <laughs> by any measure possibly not a great escape from new york we haven't haven't even done for, for the podcast yet though we probably will yes but, i yeah. mean we quite liked in the mouth of madness we did that was my um previous least favorite um john carpenter but yeah i didn't dislike it um halloween i just oh spoiler i i just um well it's just boring. It's just boring for 90 minutes. And then, so we get this very slow build up of, um, I, I mean, we have, uh, so I've mentioned, um, the great Donald Pleasant. We also have the great Jamie Lee Curtis, um, as in her first film role, she, I think her first TV role was the previous year. Yeah. So she's, um, oh gosh, I knew but her name like 30 seconds ago and I forgot Maurice her name. Strode. 
Laurie Strange Fund, I'm sure I said it thirty six ago. Laurie Strange and she's um well, here we start to see the um I don't know, as as you say, I don't know how intentional this is, but all her mates are teenagers and um uh, and really all they t- it's like the anti bechdel test because all they talk about at all is sex and men um uh, and all the men talk about of course is is sex um and it's all they think about and they spend a lot more time actually doing it than well i may have moved in the wrong teenage circles but i my well, experience yeah, of teenagers I mean... is they talk about it a lot more than they do it and they don't talk about it as much as they do here now remembering that you know we we were atypical teenagers in that um well we, we were probably actually a whole lot more typical than anybody wanted to say but um <laughs> yeah, yes but um you know i mean yes i i certainly thought about sex a lot but i didn't you know de- dedicate my entire life to arranging to have sex and then having sex yeah, it's as if they've got no other inner life. And teenagers do have other things they're interested in. It's when you're developing your hobbies and your life and your interest. So, I don't know. I I don't feel teenagers are well served by this film. And this, I was expecting a little better from Halloween, if I'm honest. Because this is... I, I saw Friday the 13th at a very tender age. Probably about nine or ten, I think. And I, I admit, it scared me then. Um... I've never seen Halloween um, mm. or any of its uh, various bizarre sort of parallel universe sequels or however they work. Um, because I frankly just wasn't interested enough in the in the genre to see the, um, should we call it the urtext? It, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> probably the most influential. Um, it, it's certainly at least the Model T of the slasher film, even if it's not you <laughs> yes. know, the, the original Ben's prototype. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's the one that popularised, and quite often for these things, you, the one you think of as the original, it often isn't quite. But it, a, a lot of the stuff that I dislike about, and I don't want to, I feel like I'm coming across as um, oh, it's 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 modern now, not to like slashers, and it's politically correct. And oh the, no, no, I, everybody always hated slashers. This, okay. the, this one got an exception for some reason. And That's one of I... the reasons I wanted to talk about it, and yeah, I'm not going to propose another slasher for, the, for <laughs> this podcast, but I think this this one has got an interestingly different treatment, and you know, do, does it justify that? Well, a bit, but not as much, well, perhaps that... as yeah. Well, that's, I suppose that's what precipitated that semi-rant was, so I thought, okay, well, teenagers are all like horny automatons in, in all other slashes. Um, but I thought here it would be better. So, but no, not really. The, the, the other characters, other than Laurie Strode, are barely characters at all. Um, they, they really don't have a lot to do or say. Other than, oh, I'm going to meet this boy. You now, I, there's a difference between talking about boys and sex, I suppose, and I, I they probably do talk about boys more um, earlier in the film. But, uh, but I mean, but it's get... definitely you know there, there there is sex being had, and we're going to have it. <laughs> um, we can talk about the weirdly empty suburbs on Halloween as well. But um... yeah, but apparently all the all the adults go out and, and employ really unreliable babysitters. Yeah, who goes out on hello? Um, and where are all the trick or treaters? I mean, there we are do, a few we do earlier see some on, earlier, but yeah, but, but they before just it gets vanish. Dark. 
I suppose that does. Also, yeah, if 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 you had if you had had a a um, murder, murder child in, in, uh, a generation earlier, would would you maybe be entirely keen on the whole <laughs> trick or treating thing? Oh, no, no, kids, we don't do that here. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's a reason. We'll tell you about it when you grow up. But um, yeah, um, so which brings me on to Laurie Strode, who is um, uh. She gets. I I quite like her introduction, and she does get a bit more interesting stuff. In that, there's a there's a moment when she's uh, sort of she's seeing the boogeyman out in the uh, in the street while she's at school and sort of daydreaming, and she's being asked a question that you can barely hear um, about um, English literature and about um, the the question of fate. Uh, and she, you just assume she's going to get a bollocking because she's going to have ignored the question. But because that's nice what always happens in these scenes. Exactly. So it did throw me a bit that Laurie just, you know, flew off this really quite thoughtful, literate answer to this question, and and that gave me some hope that we'd have a more interesting character. So I really like that bit, uh, but it never really developed beyond that, other than oh, you're a bookworm. Um, why didn't you want to have sex like the rest of us? Um, and I, 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 maybe I'm being unfair, but I don't feel it really developed beyond that. Other than I, she I, is a bit different. I think there is a bit more complexity there. Um, and I'll, I'll grant one of the thing, things this film did absolutely right, which almost none of its imitators did, was employ Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> Quite uh, right too. She is amazing here. Um, but uh, she, she is not. The, the prissy virgin compared with the sluts that is every other teenager in town. Uh, you know, she, 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 she may not be particularly happy sh- sharing, uh, I think it's Annie's joint, but she's sharing it. Yes, um, and similarly, she, she does, she, she's she is, she is not opposed to the idea of having sex with somebody she likes. And yes. She just ha- hasn't managed to arrange it because she is shy. She's a much more relatable character, frankly. Um, and she's a genuinely... when I, when I, particularly when I think of teenage me. She's a, she's a lot more like me than than these other people. Well, yeah, I agree with that. She's a she's a nice, uh, yeah. She does stand out amongst the crowd of um, <coughs> generally dislikable. Um, it did um, one thing that struck me watching this film is the slight similarity with Alien. Um, which we'll you know, I've heard. Next year, incidentally. Yeah, a- Alien is a, been talked about as a haunted house film, and I, I saw it here in the sense that we have the female hero who almost becomes a hero by accident. They are competent, they are good at what they do. Um, Ripley's very different, obviously, to to Lauren, um, but but we end up against this force of nature that barely has a characterization other than. It's gonna kill you, um, and you better try to kill it before it kills you. Um, so I, I was slightly struck by that, but then it made me sad that I wasn't watching Alien. <laughs> <laughs> that I was watching Halloween instead, um, because I suppose I, I enjoyed that bit, and I enjoyed the uh, the increasingly doom laden mutterings of Doctor Loomis. Um, yeah, and I'd, I'd just like to note as a side issue on this: uh, they, they did originally try to get uh, Christopher Lee. <laughs> for this role and thinking about it if, if Christopher Lee had done this you would have been absolutely convinced that this was yeah absolutely right yep. yeah 
you're right. Let, let us nail all our children down to their beds. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Shut down the entire town. Clearly, this is the only sensible thing to do. Whereas with Loomis, he clearly believes it. But at the same time, he's clearly been believing this for the, for the 15 years or whatever it is. And, and it, it has not been good for the man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's been he's so struggling on the one to hand, convince yes, anyone this, else. This is clearly a genuine belief, but you can understand why people maybe don't take him entirely seriously because he he is just straight to the full on obsession. Yes, to people who are not full on obsessed. The, my other issue with Christopher Lee would be I can't I can't imagine Christopher Lee being at all scared of Michael Myers <laughs> aside from his imposing physical presence. He just wouldn't have. Take the kind of shit <laughs> um, that that is required. The, so, this, of course, was somewhat something of a career resurgence for Donald Pleasance. I mean, he probably possibly best known for Blofeld and You Only Live Twice. But uh-huh. of course, um, for for those of us who grew up in the UK, uh, the, the the spirit in Lonely Water. Oh God, that voice! <laughs> oh, my son dressed up as a wraith for Halloween um, in a big black cloak, and all I could think about was the spirit of uh, Lonely Water. <laughs> it was terrifying. So, um, on the one hand, it was a career resurgence for him. On the other hand, a lot of he, a lot of it was being in the sequels to this. So, I mean, it kept him in gin, I guess, or whatever his tipple was. <clears throat> but some of them weren't very good. <laughs> um. Well. Then, from then on, it's just a slow build-up to what all slashes do, really. And and every scene, to me, you know every scene in a film is supposed to drive the plot forward. And here, it's a short film, but the reason it felt long to me, I think, is that a lot of the scenes are just all performing the same function. Um, there's a lot of scenes of um, of Dr. Loomis basically saying the same thing to slightly different people or the same thing to the same person and let's go here oh he's not here oh let's go here oh he's not here I'll wait wait here Um, and then there's a lot of scenes establishing more again that Laurie is the good babysitter and probably will do some actual babysitting Uh, it felt like a lot of scenes but really what we've talked about is all that's established up until the last 20 minutes um th- there's not a great deal more that happens we have a bit more of uh Myers cam heavy breathing and we have a bit more of i don't know people shuffering around from house to house to the point where all the houses look the same in the suburb <laughs> that, that where all the houses look the same there's a lot of excuses uh, again for I don't know. I was it when um, the, uh, Laurie's friend spills was it juice all over herself? I can't remember it, but it's just to me, it's just such an obvious excuse to oh, let's get this girl to take all her clothes off. Um, so we'll we'll cover her with juice, so she has to go to the washing machine and, and take all her. I I don't know what it, it just. Uh, Nobody would do that. It just doesn't. I don't. Sorry, I've I've gone up in octaves in in disgust. <laughs> um, basically, everyone starts shuffling around. All the houses are absolutely empty of of adults. The only two adults in it that I can remember particularly are Doctor Loomis and the sheriff. Hmm. And they're largely. I am meandering with this rant because the whole film just seems to meander to me from house to house to empty house to... Okay, and 
and to, you know, the mid-review turnaround or whatever, um, I, I did not find... I, I'm not going to claim it was great, but I, I mm. did enjoy it rather more than you did. Um, I hadn't seen Friday the 13th, and possibly the, this helps, uh, though obviously I'm familiar with the general outline. Mm. But, I mean, let's just start. Yeah, Donald Pleasant's Jamie Lee Curtis. I will watch either of these people acting pretty much anything. Fair enough. Um, I shall not argue with that. E- even first film role Jamie Lee Curtis, she's got that jawline that does half her work for her. <laughs> and and, then, and then, <laughs> yes. then, then she still does a full acting job on top of it. Um, also, I mean, while, while it's uh, a, an explicitly non-verbal part, Nick Castle as, as the adult Michael Myers. Um, it's a very physical role, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but it's not. It's not just you know I'm going to come up. I'm going to come up and hit you with a knife or whatever. There, there is, there is. Mm, there, there is a menace to it that works quite separately from the actual violence for me. Now, I, I will. Mm. What now? I'll agree with you. Um, we never really find out what his motivation is. I mean, the the assumption is it's he doesn't like people having sex. <laughs> well, that's I but, don't know. But how... you could, I mean, you can assume that. But the script doesn't really support it all that well. I mean, he he strangles no. Annie. He he has no idea that she is on the on the on the way to go and pick up her boyfriend and have sex with him. Uh, no, exactly. He just uh, leaves he, out he's car obsessed with, with with Laurie, and she is not having sex at all. Yes, I did. I, I think I, I... I think it's much more. I have seen a random person, and now I'm going to fixate on that random person and kill them. Yeah, I think that not only that is that that these teenagers are so sex driven that at any given moment they're likely to be having sex or just had sex. Um, that if you're going to go around murdering them, then a fair proportion of them will either be having sex or just had sex or just about to have sex. Um, so, so I didn't so, get a yeah, puritanical Cop- thing. <laughs> Carpenter and, and uh, Deborah Hill, uh, who produced on this, uh, both explicitly denied the uh, whole virginity thing as being important for Laurie. Uh, but they, they did screw it, Scarpenter did screw it up by saying, well, yeah, sure, the most sexually repressed person is, is, is the one who, who does all, all, all this, um, pseudo-sexual knifing. No, no, she's, she's doing the knifing because it's in self-defense, and if, he, if she doesn't, she's gonna get killed. Yeah, yeah there's that, a quote I, I, I from him. I don't need a sexual psychologist to explain that, I feel. There is a bizarre quote where he's basically suggesting this knife is a phallic symbol and she's taking out her repressed sexuality. Um, or, he dropped a knife. She needs a knife. She picked up the knife and stabbed mm-hmm. him with it. I don't. And what that says about Michael Myers, I don't know. I, I'm less. I, I don't I'm think. Le- frankly, I don't think we can we can actually connect what Michael Myers does to anything like um, a, a a model of mental illness. He 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 is a killer. He's going to kill. Well, I think that's it. That, uh, we, you said we don't have his motivation, and I agree. That's because. Uh, it's one of those things, and I suppose this frustrates me as well. Uh, Dr. Loomis is slightly one of the, um, the Mary Sue type characters who is right that he is pure evil and he isn't a normal human being. He's just, he's almost like a, a, a creature of darkness. Um, and of course, Dr. Loomis has figured this out. And, and as far as his motivation is, I don't think we need it any more than nobody says in Alien, for example, what's, what's the motivation of the alien? You know, it's just a thing there to cause a hazard for the, for the characters. Um, but I, because it's supposed to be a person, I find that distracting. If it had been a rabid wolf or something, maybe I would have gone a bit more with it, but Stasha's genre is always, a man, generally. Well, I'm sure there are exceptions. It, 
there, there have been so the many variations. Certainly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but an- another thing that struck me is I, I, I think what what may be the actual um, suggested difference is not um, sex or sex having or not sex having, but responsibility, because. The, the thing that distinguished Laurie for me is that she's the only one who actually takes babysitting seriously. You know. Yes, well, one of the other girls a- literally a- Annie, drops yeah. off her, her ward with Laurie because yeah. she can't be bothered looking but, after but her he, anymore. Even before that, she just punks the kid in front of the telly. Yes. Uh, whereas yeah, Laurie but... has said, you know, let's bring along these activities and things to do. And uh, Laurie shows them the thing and Forbidden Planet. So, I mean. Yeah. But but also um, both of which I would have rather been watching. <laughs> but also, um, she is absolutely defending those kids. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> so there's a moment. Let's. Uh, I want to analyse that a bit because I thought, yeah, Laurie. Uh, her first thought was always for the kids, and she genuinely worried about. Them. But when she's attacked over the road at her friend's house. She goes to the house next door where she's ignored. You vaguely get an impression there's an adult in there. Um, but they're just like, oh, kids, go away. Um, which again, I'm not, who would do that? Well, also it's the whole seventies thing. Um, that, and that there was this whole, uh, thing about people not wanting to get involved. When was the, uh, just checking a particular case. Um, yeah. So 1964 Kitty Genovese murder. Oh yes, yeah. Where there was, um, uh, there were. Well, again, I don't know the detail, but that well, is. It, that's it the poster turned out child not, in for... fact, to be the case. But the New yes. York Times claimed that thirty-eight witnesses had seen the attack, and none of them called the police or came to help. Exactly, um, it became the poster child for people not giving a shit about things. But I, I don't know. That's how people actually. It react. didn't actually happen that way. Yeah, that that was. Okay, all right. Well, that doesn't surprise me. But, but people heard that as well. in in the seventies, many people believed that it has happened that way. So I think that may be the influence there. But then her next reaction is to there's a a lunatic with a knife who's already stabbed her. She then runs across to the house where the children are sleeping, and he's going to follow her. I did, that didn't seem like very selfless behaviour to me. That felt... I mean, yes, that's the house she can probably get in, but she didn't have keys for it. Oh, no. She didn't know she didn't have keys at that point, to be fair. But he will see where she's going. He will follow her. He can quite easily... I know she leaves the window open, but he could have just smashed the window and got in anyway. So I, I'm less convinced by the Laurie is the uber protector of all, personally. I didn't think that was a very selfless act. I'm not sure she can sure she can do much else. I mean, get the kids mobile. It's probably worth doing. Send them off in different directions. I'd be I'd be tempted to, but okay. But she's leading a killer right to their house, so that seems not ideal behaviour for a baby. I mean, if she runs off in a different direction, and the killer doesn't follow her, yeah, but yeah, oh, she, yeah. Then maybe she doesn't, doesn't have a way to but... fix that. So anyway, mm. I mean, anyway, <laughs> but I um. Uh, I uh, agree what, that what she, she doesn't she's... know, of course, is, is the thing to call in that situation is not help, which people yes. will, will quite often ignore, but fire, because nobody ignores fire. Um, if there is no fire, it... you can provide one. <laughs> Just to make sure people really listen to you. This has been um, Roger's I... Arson Corner. <laughs> we don't visit that very often. Um, so, 
we then have the so we've we've had this kind of protracted sequence of um uh, teenagers being teenage and then we have that so this i think most of this is in the last half hour now that um laurie's friend gets strangled and then the other one gets um uh she goes into the house that she uh she can see the lights are off so this is before she's met um the michael myers character she goes into the house um she doesn't turn the lights on or anything like that um I don't think there's been a power cut. If I'm pretty sure there hasn't. Um, she goes up the stairs and then she found, finds the horribly flame, framed murdered body. Um, and this is where the spring-loaded boyfriend is because with perfect timing, um, mm-hmm. the dead boyfriend... I I don't know quite how Mike Miser's balanced him perfectly. So uh, whether he's... Maybe he's on a hair trigger, so when there's a scream, he will just drop. I don't know, <laughs> but it's, this dead guy's timing is perfect as he drops through the um, drops through the thing, and then she opens it. <laughs> just to me, I just started laughing at this point. But then she opens a cupboard, and there's another body in there of a rather friend. It reminded me a bit of the Naked Gun sequence with O.J. Simpson, where he's being shot to death and he's like oh no ow and then he puts his hand on a hot stove it's like, oh man and then he leans on some wet paint he's like oh no um and then he falls in i just reminded me of, it was just too much for me too much i was not i was not on board at all with this film so anything it did that i was slightly eye roly about is like well all right i i will admit that i i'm a sucker for five four time and this is another film where carpenter wrote the score himself I do so like the score. I, I'm not going to argue get, with the score. I got that during the title sequence, and that just put me in a positive mood. Uh, in, in case any filmmaker is ever so daft as to try to appeal to me, that 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 is the secret. <laughs> well, for me, I mean, the Carpenter has got a style, which is this. Um, uh, I mean, it's very. I, I like his. Um, uh, but it, it, it's very recognisable. It just made me wish I was watching Assault on Precinct Thirteen instead. <laughs> um, so that didn't work so well for me. But I, it's very effective. I, it's minimalist and effective piano um, spooky time. But again, that's been so widely done to, and that absolutely is not Halloween's fault. But it's been so widely done to death that this is the slasher kind of music you will have. Hmm. But well, but, having not seen any other slashers. Um... I mean, I guess Maybe I've that's things the problem. Addressing, but yeah. that, that may well help. I mean, think, think you're reading The Lord of the Rings these days. A, other fantasy has copied it, but also other fantasy has done most of the things it did better, uh, apart, yes. from, apart from the linguistics. And <laughs> yes. I, when if I read The Lord of the Rings now, I, I try to put myself in the mindset of somebody in 1940x, 1950x. Yeah. Rather, yeah, I'm just, just you know, I'm reading a golden age mystery. I'm trying to think of, think of put myself in the, in the 1920s mindset when it came out, rather than looking at it now and thinking, oh well, obviously X. Well, here's my counter argument to that: would be Night of the Living Dead, because zombies mm. have been similarly done every which way imaginable in you know to beyond the point even of slashes. Um, but you go back to that film, it's still a bloody good film. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, this this did work for me. I, I do think it has problems. 
Um, there, there is this lovely acting and there are these bits where did somebody turn over two pages at once on the script? I mean, we, <laughs> we, we've, we've got this thing very nicely established. Laurie is the person who sees the menacing figure or the, the menacing guy in the car. Yeah. And yes. her, her friends dismiss it, but she, she is, she is worried. Okay. Fair enough. We established that. Mm. Then, you know, flash forward a bit. She, she's the first phase of babysitting. The, the kid is scared and he's saying the boogeyman is out there. I saw him. Yeah, you know, this is this is not just I'm scared. This is there is an actual guy no, out there, a... and I saw him. And she should not dismiss that. Now she's, she's been established done... as you know she is worried already. She should be looking and and yeah, maybe she puts puts a brave face for the kid, but that sh- that should shake her again. And it well, doesn't... no, she's literally had the same experience in that she said walking down the street with her friend, "There's that weird guy." And she goes, where? Behind that hedge and runs up. Oh, there's nobody there. Mm. So she's literally had exactly the same experience. But when the kid does it, she's like, no, silly boy. And whether that's a matter of, you know, they just wrote the script in excessive haste or whatever else, I don't know. But that really does. I I like the way her character is established. And then there is this complete drop the ball moment. Um, Yeah. On the other hand... um, that that outdoor scene where Lo- Loomis is um, coming up to the sheriff outside the hardware store that's been robbed, mm. um, and the the point of this scene is simply, yeah, Loomis has now met the sheriff. That that's really all that it has yes. to establish. Yes, but we also get the the murder car in the background. The guy's <laughs> yeah. just driving around town, looking at things and working out who's who and so on. And that that I like. It, it's a nice. That was a nice touch. I agree, uh, but we do see the murder car again. And again, and again, as he <laughs> drives around and around town, deciding where and why. Uh, this is where the motivation is a slight problem because you don't have the alien <laughs> just cruising around the place. Um, I feel he was a bit overused. Um, one thing I do like um, about Michael Myers, uh, the real true terror of it, is his mask is actually a Wim- William Shatner mask <laughs> that's gone slightly wrong. Um, so that's uh, I always find that a, a nice little bit of trivia. But uh, we do see that car a lot. And that sequence, it works, because we have sort of Donald Pleasance kind of looking one way and then just with perfect timing as he looks the other, the car goes past. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I feel that was a trick the film used a lot. And again, it has been used and used and used and used in slashes since then. And what I mean by that is the hero sits up, oh, and it's all right, you can relax. But here, in every case, I can look at the bit of empty frame and think, that's where Michael Myers' face is going to show. Oh, yeah. that's where he's going to crop up. That, and it spoiled all those surprises for me. Now, that's, again, that's the influence this genre had. But, you know, instead of, oh, the creepy guy's looming out of the shadow, I'm just like, yeah, he's going to be there, isn't he? Because Lauren's on this side of the frame, and okay, he will come out. Oh, yeah, there he is, yeah. So I was just watching <laughs> the empty frame. I think that happens three times in every case. I was watching the space where he was going to turn up, waiting <clears> for it. Yeah, fair Maybe enough. that's not the film's fault, but... Uh, that's three, it's at least two, it's maybe three. I don't know if they're supposed to be jump scares or what, but it just, um, it is something that is done again and again in later slashes. Now, another thing that later slashes would copy, and I, and I think it doesn't work even particularly here. We've, we've got the idea that he is supernaturally endurable. I mean, you know, he's, he's got a knife stuck in his chest, he's got a knife stuck in his head, he's, he's just going to keep going back. Okay. Yes. So, 
And, and even at the end, you know, he's just taken six shots and gone off a, a first floor balcony. Um, but when they look, he's gone. Yes. So why does he stop the killing at that point? They're, this they're, is they're, always... That, that's, the, that's the thing that really struck me. Yeah, if you said, all right, it's a human and he is now dead, or he, he he's now so badly wounded he's, he's crawled off to try to patch himself off, but fine. But you, but yeah, you just established he's, he's just as tough after the knife in the chest as before. So why, why do, why does the film end? Well, the answer is because of the strength of narrative. Um, but I agree. Well, that's the thing. That... It feels like one of those role-playing games in which he has so many serial killer that. points. <laughs> it feels like we're both role-players, and it feels like one of those indie games that is like, OK, when you're hit by a knife, you're incapacitated until the narrative uh, tells you that you're not, and then you get back up again. In every or, case... Or, you know, sp- spend three points to, re- to uh, come back from a fatal wound. Oh, no, I've only yes. got two points left. Okay, well, in that case, the scenario's over. Um, you're not dead, but you can. Yeah, exactly. It just it didn't make any kind of physical sense because he is just a human. Uh, yeah. Well, or, or... Even if you say he he is the that's the thing. Either you can say he's a human, in which case he ought to, he ought at some point to be dead, yes. and actually actually dead, or you say he he he's an unstoppable supernatural force of evil, in which case you say, well, why why is six gunshots better than a knife? That is why, so again, I'm referencing a lot of other films I prefer, but this is the thing about The Terminator, um, is that, you know, that film doesn't stop until it's fucking destroyed, you know, that, that is the horror of The Terminator, is that it just will not, it absolutely will not stop until you are dead. So they do a lot of things to it, and again, that shares some similarities to a slasher movie, you know, they hit this guy, he falls over, sits back up again, but in there it takes it to the logical extreme of, we, what have we got to do to actually destroy this guy? Um, and it's nothing to do with the narrative. It's because he's a cyborg combat chassis um, and he's going to keep coming. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I totally agree. There is no reason why, if he's still alive, he, why wouldn't he just do, yeah, do more slashing? But he, he doesn't. He, the, the film ends. And I don't think that was supposed to be oh, let's set this up for Halloween too. I think this was just, that's how the film ends. But the evil is still out there. Yeah, I, I agree. In the, in, the, in the context of its own story, it's the, the deliberately subverting the, the standard, you know, the hero's coming to save the day and, and, and everything is all going to be all right again. It's not going to be all right again because the evil is still out there. It's going to come back somewhere, and someday. You, you could take that as a metaphor that Michael Myers is... Yeah, a metaphor for this creature. And, you know, it's even said, you know, this happens in every town and maybe that means that maybe there's a mythology there that could be explored and probably was explored in one of the many sequels. But it, it, it doesn't quite, to me, that doesn't gel well with he was a six year old boy. Uh, he was a normal human and he was in a mental institution for a long time. I, I don't know. I, that, it didn't really sell I, it for I, me. I, Gotta admit, I did, I did laugh when when they lampshaded you. Know, the, the 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 kid's been institutionalised since he was six, and yet he somehow manages to drive a car with no trouble at all when he, <laughs> he escapes. And and they they just say, okay, yes, we. I, I feel this is coming to saying, yep, this does make no sense. So so I'll just I'll just have Loomis saying he seemed to be driving all right last night, didn't he? Yes, exactly. Yeah, don't worry. Basically, I'm saying, don't worry about it. Just just accept it. Um. Mm. 
I uh, uh, I concur, Your Eminence. That's look looking at this in context. I mean, the the Gialli did a lot of this first. The the um, Italian Gialli Giallo is yellow. Yes, uh, a lot of them based on uh, pulp novels to start with. But uh, there, there's some really quite cunning filmmakers. It's not really to my taste because of the whole horror thing, but um, there there is some very surreal. In, in the original sense, filmmaking there, which is which is sometimes excellent, but oh, was this things like Suspira or no, mm. no, I haven't seen any of those films actually. Yeah, um, often they're they're framed as some sort of investigation, um, right? Okay. But yeah, um, yeah, Black Christmas, one of the rare Canadian uh, horror films, um, has, has the killer's eye shot. I think was that was the first um, American film to do it. So I may be okay. be wrong. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, similarly yes. early seventies. It's similarly proto slasher. Um, uh, another film I really didn't get on with, I have to say. But I, I think some of it is the setting because Black Christmas is in a sorority house, which I mean, yes, may well be within many people's experience, but it's it's a stylized thing. I right. think M- much as when we were talking about uh, the Breakfast Club. Yes, they're exotic places to us, at least. Um, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre is in the rural, like like Deliverance. Uh, so, uh, yes, Deliverance um, much better. But this this does the thing of setting it. Yeah, okay. This this is in plain, normal, boring suburbia. With a clearly is extremely boring. <laughs> it was to me. Um, I I I think maybe the the protagonists, at least in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Are really fucking irritating. <laughs> They're really mm. annoying. Um, and Laurie is not. She genuinely is. I mean, it's Jamie Lee Curtis, and she's a likable character. And she's, uh, despite me being a bit mean about her babysitting pals, she genuinely cares about her her wards. Um, and she, she's just a nice person. I mean, she shows them the thing from another world, for God's sake. I mean, what, <laughs> what that would be the coolest babysitter. That was a nice touch, actually, uh, knowing that the carpenter would then go on to uh, direct the thing a few years later um, and then seeing the thing burn out on the screen. Um, but again, it made me wish I was watching the thing. <laughs> yeah, we, we should probably mention just in terms of uh, Ribbon and Memes crossovers, we have, of course, uh, seen Jamie Lee Curtis in, in the much later uh, Knives Out. Yes, yeah, I'm sure that was semi-deliberate jokey casting. Because she was, um, until she did, I think maybe Trading Places. She was basically typecast as a, a scream queen kind of slasher survivor for a while. Yeah, also, uh, was it perfect? I think she did with John Travolta. Uh, she, she, she was more, more of a sex symbol in that and then. Yeah. Yes, yes. And then she went on to have more interesting roles, uh, like Fish Called Wonder and things like that as well. Um, Mm. That I, Laurie as well. So she is a relatable, interesting character. A bit like Ripley, she kind of survives by accident. But also, all the things that are I've, Ripley's a less. I don't find Laurie an irritating character. I think she's a really good character. But all the traditional things that everyone hates about horror films are present and correct here, like the knife's on the floor, pick up the knife, stick it in his throat. Haven't you seen horror films before? Now, of mm. course, she hasn't. She's in one of the early ones, and of course, the people in horror films don't know they're in horror films. Um, but still, twice she lets that knife sit next mm. to his body, um, even though she knows he's got up at least once before. 
that kind of thing is infuriating as a viewer, or I find it so. Um, mm. And I, don't... I mean, yes, she's under a lot of stress, but even so, one might hope at least the second time. Well, what I don't understand is why these were the things that got done again and again and again and again and again ad infinitum. Mm. I I can see why Night of the Living Dead was done again, and it's and I I still enjoy. Not much now. I think Walking Dead finally bored me to tears with it with zombie fiction eventually. But there was a long time when I liked zombie films and no one else seemed to. And then the whole world liked zombie films. Um, but I still, I like the idea. There's something interesting about that dynamic and there's lots of interesting things you can do with it. Pretty soon slasher movies seem to turn in on themselves as such go postmodern. You know, we had Scream, which was this tongue-in-cheek thing and Wes Craven's new nightmare and uh, I seem to have nowhere really to go quite quickly and I... Well, I think as as usual, the things that were copied from this were the easy things. Mm. So, you know, let, let, let's just have a bunch of teenagers who think about nothing but sex. Uh, yes. Let, let's have uh, the sex havers killed before the ones who aren't. Yes, and let's not employ Jamie Lee Curtis because she, she's going to cost money. Let's employ let's employ some, somebody else. <laughs> yes, um, but also let's have this indestructible, yep. unexplainable force of nature who who just kills because killer. killing is what he does. Yes, and it's usually a he. And the, you know this started the whole final capital F capital G final girl thing, which again was parried. You know by the time we get around to. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was a parody of of someone like Laurie, who uh, she's not. Laurie's not. Um, despite her sort of interesting introduction, she doesn't really use a a brain. Is that fair to say? She like she hides in a cupboard. She hides upstairs. She all she does is hide. Uh, well, manage to the, overpower the, the villain and then stab him. The the thing that uh, disqualifies her as a final girl slightly into my mind is that she does not prevail on her own with nobody helping she she survives until Loomis comes along and shoots the guy, she has no reason to suppose that Loomis is out there yeah she's not waiting, but she's just I mean she's, understand, she plays scared very well, Jamie Lee she, I mean it's a great acting job, I just I don't know I, don't, I suppose the idea is this is how I would react if someone was chasing me with a knife um, yeah, that's, that's fine uh, I I don't know. I just find the whole <laughs> the whole thing vaguely distasteful. I mean, it can't. It, I don't know if it's really a feminist thing because she just there's nothing particularly feminist about Laurie, and she yeah she needs a man to come and save her. Um, I, I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. And I feel it. It it there's a pretty straight through line from this film to the torture porn nonsense we got now that I just can't bear. Mm. Um, and I, I don't find gory stuff particularly squeamish. And interesting, I suppose the interesting thing, we've touched upon it already, Halloween is really not very gory at all. Yeah, I, th- I think it took um, the Friday the 13th series really to push, push the gore side of things. Um, yeah, basically, that, I mean, anything that's... with Tom Savini in the credits, the, the man is, is a master <laughs> of this stuff. Yeah, well, I saw, I saw it around at a friend's house when I was about nine, and I, that, I remember that's the first time. There's a moment at the end of Friday the 13th where the survivor... 
heroine is floating in a boat and it's all peaceful and we've actually got peaceful music. Now, if I'd ever seen any film like this before, <laughs> I would have been like, right, he's going to jump out of the lake or drop from the sky or <laughs> be the boat or something like that. <laughs> uh, but it was the first time I'd ever seen it. And when he does indeed jump out of the lake, I absolutely uh, terrified um, me and... I wouldn't go on a boat for <laughs> for some time. <laughs> Similarly, I saw Psycho at a similar time and I wouldn't go upstairs, which caused my parents some trouble. <laughs> um, so maybe I was just in the order to this at an early age. Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. <laughs> yes, yes. We, should, well, we haven't done Psycho, have we? Maybe someday. Um, but we hitchcocked ourselves out a bit, I think. Um, I'd, maybe talking it through, maybe I was just in order to this stuff at an early age. I did... the one We have done a sort of slasher adjacent film uh, on Ribbon of Memes aside from Egan, which is Cabin in the Woods which is kind of the, kind of the ultimate kind of uh, and very postmodern take on mm. slashers um, uh, partly uh, partly I suppose in retrospect Cabin in the Woods it, it kind of has its cake and eats it because they kind of wanted to make a slasher movie but they, they knew it was just nonsense but they came up with some pseudo reason as to why a slasher movie would actually happen but I thought it was clever enough and, and fun enough uh, and didn't hide that till the end of the film it does it halfway through the, the spoilers for Cabin in the Woods which I won't spoil now but the, the, the thing that go and listen to that episode it's on the website yes but the thing that happens happens early on but it is a slasher film I, I just I sit here bemused and mystified the only thing I can think as to why these films were so copied were well, one, that Halloween made a shit ton of money, and two, it's quite easy to make a film with young women running around, taking their clothes off, and then getting stabbed. Yeah, and there's not a lot of nudity in this, there's not a lot of gore in this. Yeah. But those are obvious things that even a fairly uninventive filmmaker can add. So Yes, yes. And, you know, John Carpenter, no arguments for either with that he is an extremely good, skilled and versatile filmmaker. Um, and so if he makes a film here that uh, it might look easy, but I suppose if John Carpenter's doing it, then probably it's not as easy as you think it is. Um, but even done by someone who I acknowledge is, uh, has certainly made masterpieces before, multiple masterpieces, uh, even here, I was bored and disliked it. Fair enough. Well, you you made me watch uh, Stand by Me, so <laughs> fair enough. Fair. I did want. I was I definitely up for Halloween. I was just surprised at how much it adhered to the conventions of the slasher, and didn't really do much more interesting with them. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not going to claim masterpiece, except as I said up front that that it was hugely influential. Well, that that is one of our qualifications, isn't it? It's, it's got to be influential. The, this... There are these huge problems with it. Uh, and and yeah, you know, I can't deny any, any of the stuff you said. I did nonetheless manage to get some enjoyment out of it. So, which is frankly more than I would get out of out of a, a typical slasher. Uh, well, that's yeah. that's fair. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, I was not. I couldn't wait for it to end. But I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. Now I will condemn you to watching all the remaining sequels to Halloween. Shant. <laughs> Quite right. <laughs> Thank you.